and Gigi were like totally live. Good morning, you guys, and welcome back to the OMGG podcast. It has been two weeks since I've given you guys a podcast, and I am so sorry. In case you did not know, we are currently in a pandemic. What's a pandemic? All it is is, you know, a worldwide sickness that uh, apparently doesn't have a cure. No biggie. So I put on my Instagram, which is OMGG underscore 1989, in case you want to follow me there. Uh, two options for a story time for today to come back to the podcast. And I gave you the option of hearing my coronavirus, which is the specifically the name of this pandemic uh, story, or the time I got held at gunpoint. And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, you guys picked the time I got held up at gunpoint. So... I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised, I guess. Both are kind of just like really intriguing stories. Uh, One, the coronavirus story, because it's so relevant to what's going on now. And then obviously someone being held at gunpoint. I think it's always kind of surreal when you find out that somebody you know has been held at gunpoint. So I thought that maybe it would be like a 50-50 split and I would have to make the final decision. But then one of my friends said, we hear about the coronavirus all day, every day. I'm pretty sure nobody wants to hear about that right now, which is probably why being held at gunpoint one, and I agree. So let's just get straight into the story time. So this happened, ooh, I would say the Sunday before Christmas a few years ago. And my uncle lives on a cul-de-sac. And a cul-de-sac, if you don't know, is basically a block that's a dead end but it has like that little circle bulb loop thing at the end so that way you can drive in, drive around the circle and come out of the cul-de-sac. We were parked right there dead smack in the middle of the cul-de-sac facing outward so that way all we had to do when we were done visiting him was get in our car and drive off. We go, we visit him, and we get... We go to walk towards our car and we realize that there's a car parked nose to nose in front of us. And it's my uncle's neighbor. Now, it's important to note that the house my uncle was living in, my mom and I used to live in. However, unfortunately, the house burnt down and we decided to not move back into that house. So my uncle took the house. So we knew all the people on the block because they used to be our neighbors. So our neighbor, our former neighbor, which is not my uncle's neighbor, had parked nose to nose blocking my mom in. And my mom's like, what are you doing? Move. Now, mind you, it's the Sunday before Christmas. So every Sunday before Christmas, um, the church that we go to would have like a Christmas show or whatever. So my mom, we had we were essentially going to head there, basically. So they wouldn't move. They wouldn't answer any of the questions like when my mom would talk to them, nothing. It was him and his wife. So my mom's blowing on the horn, blowing on the horn. Nobody's answering. So I'm like, mom, just forget it. They won't move. Call 911 because we can't get out. Like she was literally blocked in. All of a sudden, three cop cars come zipping up the block And they all get out, seemingly two people, well, obviously two people, but it felt like there was more than two people per car, 
get out and it was just like it was just like a movie or just like CSI Miami they swing open their doors they jump out they're behind the door and all of them have their gun drawn three cop cars all have their gun drawn at our car you know how many cops that is having their guns drawn at you saying get out of the car we are so confused we have no idea what's going on and it's like why are the cops here and why are they here pointing a gun at me like these fools are the ones that are blocking us in so they tell us get out of the car we get out of the car they're like raise your hands get out of the car raise your hands get out of the car very standard very like exact to what you see on television we get out of the car we're confused low-key deep inside i'm freaking out because i'm like why are their guns pointed at me? I've personally never had a problem with the police. I've never been in trouble. I've never been arrested. I mean, I got pulled over once in my life and it was because they were looking for a specific quote unquote person. I personally don't believe that, but that's whatever. Um, but like, that's it. And this was back in, this was a few years ago. So this might've been 2015. 14 maybe might have been around Christmas of 2014 2015 maybe and so we get out and they're like drop the gun and we're like what gun they're like you have a gun we were like we don't have a gun and he was like somebody called and said that somebody had a gun my mom said well we are not the ones that called the police and we don't have a gun you can come and search my car. You can search me. You can search my daughter. Nobody here has a gun. So then the guy and his wife finally got out of the car and he says, I called the police. Nobody has a gun, but she hit my car two weeks ago and I got it on tape. The cops lowered their weapon and said, what? And my mom was like, what? I was like, what? So then his wife goes, well, she's just jealous because we got married. And my mom said, what? The cops are like pissed, like pissed. They're livid. They are so pissed about just this whole entire situation, which obviously I would be pissed about the whole entire situation too, because I was. So the cops come over and the cops go, so neither one of you have a gun. My mom said, no. They didn't search the car, but they kind of just, like, looked through the window to make sure that there was no gun. They kind of, like, looked around me, but they didn't actually touch me. I guess they were just trying to see if I had a gun on me. If I remember correctly, I had on a dress, so if I did have a gun, um, I guess they kind of feel like they kind of knew what to look for. I, I don't know. Again, I'm making speculation on their thoughts. I cannot confirm or deny. So they're like you get back in the car talking to me my cousin was sitting in the car he had left the house to come sit in the car with us to see what was going on so he was inadvertently in the car too so they tell me and my cousin to get back in the car while they talk to my mom I guess they thought that I was a child as well I'm like I'm grown you don't need to talk to me like that but that's cool so my cousin's like I'm not getting back in the car I'm going into my house so they were like, get back in the car. He was like, my house is right here. I'm not going with them. Why am I getting in the car? So they felt dumb. So they were like, fine, go in your house. And he was like, that's exactly what I thought. I said, shut up and just go in the house. Why are you making a spectacle? That's an issue too 
young people and just people in general feeling like they have to constantly question authority, police or not, like, just stop doing it. Shut up. Please just shut up. So they have me get in the car. They're talking to my mother. And I had the door open and a cop was standing at the door near me. And the wife of the guy who was holding us up is still running her mouth about how my mom was jealous about them getting married, this, that, and the third. So my mom was like, what does this have to do with anything? You're the one that parked your car in front of my car, wouldn't let me out, wouldn't answer any of my questions. I was about to call 911 until all three of y'all rolled up in here with the gun talking about who has the gun. It was the most outlandish thing ever. So they end up arresting her husband, obviously, because that is a false statement that was made. And you literally have three police cards off the streets, off their beat, for no reason. So he just kept saying, she hit my car two weeks ago. I've got it on tape. So my uncle comes outside, obviously, and my uncle's like, okay, if you have the tape, show the tape. He names a date that supposedly we had hit his car. I knew the date he was talking about because that date I went to a Christmas party with my best friend. And I said, mommy, you weren't even there the date that he gave because that date I was at a Christmas party. And before I went to the Christmas party, I went with you to we went somewhere else. I don't remember specifically where, but I remember we went somewhere else and then we went home and then I went to the Christmas party. And I asked her, I said that when I went to the Christmas party after we came home from wherever we went, did you go to uncle so-and-so's house? And she said, no. And I said, all right then. So then it couldn't have been your car that hit them. So the cop said to them, well, if you have the video of her hitting your car, show the video. Oh, I don't have it on me right now. He had every excuse under the sun why he did not have this video on him. And I'm just like, what? So then the cop that was standing next to the car started to ask me questions. Mind you, my undergrad, okay, you guys may not know this about me because I guess I never really tell a lot about my like past with you guys, but my undergrad is in criminal justice and my first master's is in general psychology with a concentration in forensic psychology. So I'm no stranger to the law. I'm no stranger to how all this works. So he was essentially trying to interrogate me without actually interrogating me. So he was like, so what happened? I was like, we were inside talking to my uncle. We used to live here. The house burned down. We decided no longer to live here. The house is actually owned by my grandparents. And my uncle decided to move in with his children. We came here. We visited them. When we go to leave to go to church for a Christmas play... They're parked right here, nose to nose. So my mom was like, can you move? Because we need to get out. They wouldn't answer anything. They wouldn't roll down their windows. My mom's blowing the horn, nothing. My mom went to go call you guys because they weren't moving to try and get you guys to get them to move. And then all of a sudden, all y'all came up in here, guns blazing. Not gonna lie, it was a little scary. And he was like, well, it wasn't anybody's really intention to quote unquote, I guess, scare you in the sense that now they knew that there was no gun and they knew the situation. Um, he was like, well, it wasn't our intention to scare you, but we did get a phone call saying that one of you had a gun 
and that's why we came in the way that we did. And I said, no, I totally understand. But, like, from the perspective of not having a gun, that was terrifying, especially never being in a situation like that. He was like, no, I get it. He was like, so what's the story with this whole wedding thing? I was like, honestly, I do not know. They were supposed to get married during Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy. This event happened with the police happened in 2014 or 2015. Hurricane Sandy happened in when? 2011? 2011, maybe 2012? How many years ago did your wedding ha- or your alleged wedding was supposed to happen? Now, when she first got married, my mom was supposed to be one of the bridesmaids. And Hurricane Sandy happened. It skewed all the plans. They decided to go off and do whatever it was they were going to do for their wedding. I was unaware that there was any issue between my mom and them. And my mom was unaware that there was any issue between them. So the guy was like, well, he's saying that your mom hit the car. So I told the guy the same thing that I said to my mom. We weren't even here on the date that he's saying we hit the car. And then I said, now let's think about this. He's saying that we hit his car. We haven't been on this block in two weeks. Not even the date that he's claiming his car got hit. And mind you, his car had a scratch. His car was scratched. It wasn't dented, nothing. His car was scratched. I'm not trying to say that that's not important or negate it. But I'm just saying, dude, your car was scratched. You're fine. So, I said, we weren't here on the date that he's saying. The date that he's giving is two weeks ago. And my question is, if somebody hit your car and you had video proof of who did it, and you know who did it with the name and everything, why wouldn't you just take that proof to the police? You didn't. You just sat there and you waited until a random moment that we happened to come on the block. I said, if we hadn't come on the block, Let's say we hadn't come on a block for two months because it's not like we visited my uncle every day. You know what I'm saying? If we hadn't come on the block for two months, you was going to wait those two months to do what you did? And the cop was like, yeah, you're right. I was like, that's what just doesn't make any sense to me because something about me, I'm all about common sense, which we all know isn't common. So actually, I'm just about what makes sense, right? So if I have a tape, of somebody hitting my car with their license plate and everything, I'm going straight to the police. He had no tape. Till this day, he still has ever produced a tape. None. And then from my understanding, his story went from he had it on tape to, oh, well, someone said that you did it. Now we're going on to hearsay and supposedly the person who said it wouldn't come in and testify that they said it. I don't know whatever ended up happening to them. I personally don't care. Um, All I know is that that was a crazy, crazy, crazy experience. I've never experienced anything like that before. And definitely before the panic set in, it was just a lot of confusion and shock. And then the panic set in. And, you know, the cop did make a statement about how I didn't look scared. And it kind of is a full circle leading into what's going on with this pandemic and everything that's going on. So I don't really want to talk too much about the pandemic um, in this podcast. But I do want to bring up the fact that everybody responds to situations in different ways. 
okay? And not everybody, when they're scared, starts freaking out and crying and saying, I'm scared. And not everybody, when they're sad, falls to the ground and sobs uncontrollably and grieves and screams out the name of the person that they're grieving for or the reason why they're sad. That is a television emotion reaction. I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of people don't do that in real life or people in general don't do it in real life because I'm sure that they do. But what I'm saying is that not everybody reacts that way. And we have been trained to expect people to act that way. And when they don't, we assume that they're either not scared or we assume that they're not sad. Um, And you see this a lot. Uh, with rape cases, right? The defense for anybody who's ever been raped has always been, well, why didn't you fight them off? Let's break that down. The majority of the time when you're raped by somebody, it's from a female perspective anyway, you're usually being raped by a male. They're usually a lot stronger than you. And they're usually someone that you know. And... I feel as though when you're going through something like that, and it's definitely by someone that you know, you're probably in more shock and in more fear. And the only thing that you can really do, you don't know what they're capable of doing because obviously you didn't think they would be capable of raping you. So if they're capable of raping you, what's to say they're not capable of killing you? So yes, some might have that fight or flight mode. I had a friend who said, you know, someone tried that with me and I fought them off and I ran out of the room. And I was like, well, good for you because a lot of people don't have that response. A lot of people are really scared. That's why I don't like to say if I was in a situation, I would do this because I really don't know what I would do. Before that incident of being held at gunpoint by, that was six cops. If you had said to me before that incident, Gigi, if you were held at gunpoint by six cops, what would you do? I would say, I don't know. Probably start praying. Because, you know, that's a terrifying situation. And if you have tunnel vision enough where you know exactly what you would do in a situation like that, good for you. But not everybody is like that. And we really need to stop putting this... We need to stop putting this whole entire ideology of how people should respond in different situations because you don't know me personally I'm the kind of person where I'm either going to freak out internally or I'm going to pick a select person that I choose to take my freak out to now that select person could be a friend or it could be a relative but it's usually one person that I choose to just freak out to if I don't choose to just internalize it And even when I quote unquote freak out to that one select person is nowhere near as severe of a freak out as it is as what I'm feeling on the inside. You know what I'm saying? It's just that's the person I choose to go and tell the situation to and basically vent with how I'm feeling. But I'm not freaking out in the same way that I'm freaking out internally when I'm sad um, or when I'm mourning the death of someone, which I am currently doing, uh, I'm going to talk about the coronavirus and everything in more detail next week, but my grandfather did pass away last Friday from the coronavirus. That's a story in and of itself. All that will be in the coronavirus uh, podcast, and that'll be a much longer podcast than this week's podcast. But even with mourning, um, 
I'm not the type to sit there and cry in front of people. I'm not the type to sit there and fall to the ground and freak out like, you know, this is all my children and I'm Susan Lucci. That's not what I do. I stay reserved and I handle it my way internally on my own when I'm by myself. And it does not mean that because I'm not showing you those expected television reaction and emotions. It doesn't mean that I'm not sad. Just because I'm sitting here doing a podcast and I'm talking about a story time and I think I sound relatively normal, it doesn't mean that I'm not sad. I have a loss. I have a loss of someone that I was immensely close to. I have a loss of someone that I watched die. And that's not the first time. I think people would be really surprised to know things that I've been through in my life because I don't carry myself in in a way in which I play a victim um even though I have been a victim to a lot of different things in my lifetime I don't carry myself that way and that's because of how I choose to cope it's my coping mechanism everyone has a different coping mechanism and we need to stop assuming that everyone's coping mechanism is the same um you know in the court system when you get judged by a panel of your juries uh, a panel of your juries what in the court system when you're getting judged by a jury panel of your peers, you know, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that remorse. But who are you to define how I show and exhibit remorse? They're looking for that grief. Who are you to tell me how I should grieve? That's something we really need to stop doing. That and children, you need to stop questioning authority and trying to fight authority um, in cases where it's not necessary. You know what I mean? Um, like my cousin, it wasn't necessary for him to go back and forth with that cop like that. When the cop told him to get in the car, you said that you wanted to go into your house. That's fine. The cop said, go into your house. You didn't need to keep going. You didn't need to throw in. That's what I thought It's so unnecessary for what you challenge authority when what authority is doing or saying is right is wrong. That's when you challenge it. You need to differentiate between the two. That is also a problem amongst a lot of millennials. Um, so that's really it for this podcast, you guys. Again, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, OMGG underscore 1989. Tell me what you want to hear because, you know, if you're not following me there, you would have never known about the poll. And maybe you're listening thinking, oh, I didn't get to vote on the poll. Well, that's how you get to vote on my polls. You get to... um. You get to see what I'm up to, what I'm doing. You get some inside scoop about what's been going on in my life. And um, yeah, that's really it. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, a story time of the time I got held at gunpoint. And I will be talking to you guys next week. Loves and likes ya. Bye. Good talk. See you next week.